Welcome to a special edition of Gospel Truth with Andrew Womack, a teaching ministry that focuses on God's unconditional love and grace. On today's broadcast, Andrew will be sharing about the importance of having a biblical worldview. And now, here's Andrew. Welcome to our Thursday's broadcast of the Gospel Truth. Today, I'm continuing to share a brand new teaching that I've got. It's actually a video series on uh, biblical worldview, foundational truths. And I tell you, this is important. This is now towards the end of my third week of this teaching. If you've missed any of this, even if you've seen it, I encourage you to please get this product. This is stuff that you need to go over and over. You need to be established in it. And we've already dealt with a lot of things. Now we're talking about the true nature of God because actually there are different views of God presented in the Scripture. Now, that may sound contradictory because He never changes. It's not that He changes, but the way He's dealt with us changed because we have changed. Now that we are born again and that we are sons and daughters of God, God is dealing with us differently under the new covenant than He did under the old covenant. This will explain it. So watch this video, and at the end of today's broadcast, I'll come back on and share some more with you. Malachi chapter 3, verse 6 says, For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. In the New Testament, Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. So the Lord has not changed, but the way that He deals with us has changed because of what Jesus did. So there is a huge distinction between the way God dealt with sin in the Old Testament and the way He deals with it in the New Testament. And the difference is not because God has changed. It's not because God has changed His mind and just said, you know what, I'm not going to hold sin against you anymore. I'm not going to be mad or angry at you or punish you anymore if there's sin. That's not what God did. God is just and God is holy. For Him to just say that, well, sin is no longer a big deal, that would be violating His own Word. He cannot do that. It says in Psalms chapter 89, verse 34, My covenant will I not break nor alter the thing that has gone forth out of my lips. He told Adam and Eve, In the day you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall surely die. The New Testament counterpart is Romans 6, 23, where it says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Sin has a payment. And a holy God cannot just say, well, I'm not going to hold sin against anybody anymore. That is not what happened. You know what made the difference in the way that God deals with us? It's not God that changed. He placed your sin and my sin and His anger and judgment against our sin upon His Son. And Jesus literally became sin who knew no sin that we might become what He was. He took our sin upon Him, and He gave us His righteousness. And so now God can deal with those who accept what Jesus did. Now, this is a huge distinction. If you accept what Jesus did and make Him your Savior and get born again, then 2 Corinthians 5.17, the verse is just right in front of the ones that I've just read, says, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. 
Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So when you accept what Jesus did, you become a new person, not in your physical body or in your mind and emotions, but in your spirit, you become a brand new person. And I just happened to have a teaching on this entitled Spirit, Soul, and Body, which is the revelation that totally changed my life because John chapter 4, verse 24 says, God is a spirit and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. We must approach God in our spirit. And if you made Jesus your Lord, according to 2 Corinthians 5, 17, you are now a new creature in your spirit. It's not talking about your body. If you were a man before you got saved, you're still going to be a man after you get saved. If you were a woman, you're still going to be a woman. If you were short, you're still going to be short unless you're still in your growing stage. Your body doesn't change. Your mind doesn't instantly change. You have your thoughts, not my thoughts and memories. You remember where you grew up, not where I grew up. Your mind doesn't instantly change. Your body and your soul do not instantly change, but your spirit, man, becomes completely new. God is a spirit, and when you come before Him, you have to approach Him on the basis of who you are in the spirit. And that spirit, man, is perfect and pure, and it's sealed by the Holy Spirit so that when a Christian sins, that sin may enter into their body and give Satan an opportunity against them financially to steal from them or physically to give them sickness and things like that. It may enter into their soulish realm where it gives them depression and discouragement and fear and things like that, but it doesn't penetrate the seal around your spirit. And in your spirit, you retain your righteousness and holiness. It doesn't fluctuate. Again, I encourage you to get that series on spirit, soul, and body because you have been forgiven of all sins, past, present, and even future sins in the spirit realm. Now, in the physical realm, you may have opened up a door to the devil and you need to repent of that sin and turn from it. But in the spirit, the part of you that worships with God, God still sees you righteous and holy even when you've blown it. Man, that is powerful. See, this is giving you information about who God is. God is righteous and holy, but He punished my sin and your sin. It's not God just saying, well, I'm not going to overlook sin. Sin's not a deal. No, sin has always been a terrible, terrible thing. Sin is bad, but God judged sin. He punished His own Son, and Jesus was so holy and so pure that His one life was worth more than the entire human race. If you had one of these scales that had a fulcrum in the middle and then these things on each side, you know, suspended by chains, and if you put Jesus' life over here, it was heavier, it was worth more than all of the lives of the human race all combined because He is the Creator. Colossians chapter 1 says, All things were created by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. That's also uh, John chapter 1. And so Jesus is the Creator. And when He gave His life and when He suffered for our sins and took our sins in His own body on the tree, First uh, Peter chapter 2, verse 24, He took our sins in His own body on the tree. When He did that, God judged Him and placed our, His judgment against our sins upon Jesus so that God's not overlooking sin. He paid for your sin. And God is now just and holy. 
to forgive sin. Under the Old Testament, things were not that way. And under the Old Testament, Jesus hadn't died yet, and so people had to go through this sacrificial system. In Hebrews chapter 9, it makes it very clear that the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of an heifer could never really sanctify us. They were only pictures. They were symbolic of what Jesus would do. So the Old Testament sacrificial system was something that was observed, but the sacrifices didn't really take away sins. They were just pictures. And because there wasn't a reality of salvation yet, they were looking forward to what would happen. This picture had to be maintained, and every time they sinned, they had to come bring an offering for sin. But now that Jesus has come in the New Testament, we don't offer animal sacrifices anymore because Jesus atoned for our sin once and for all. It has been dealt with. If you don't understand this, then you will go around living under guilt and condemnation. These are some of the weapons of the devil. He comes, and if Satan can't keep you from acknowledging that there is a God and making a commitment to follow God and to serve Him, then he will try and take the Old Testament scriptures that showed God's wrath and punishment against sin and use them to condemn you. When the truth is, in the New Testament, there is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. You have to be able to understand that Jesus paid for our sins, and God is no longer angry at us. There is no condemnation from God. He loves you so much, He didn't want you to live under guilt and shame and condemnation. And so he took your shame, your guilt, your punishment upon himself so that you could live guilt-free. Now, again, there is a balance to this. And some people have taken these truths, and those things that I've said are absolutely true, but then they think that, well, so therefore, sin is no longer an issue. A person who says that has not studied the Word of God. Even the New Testament shows that sin is still an inroad of Satan into our life. In Romans chapter 6, verse 16, it says, Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants you are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness. Even though God is now not imputing your trespasses unto you, He's already forgiven you, and He's going to love you regardless if you enter into this covenant. If you accept this covenant, that's not just for everybody. You have to accept the atonement of Jesus. You have to accept what He did in order for you to walk in this love. But to those who accept Jesus, well, then God is not going to impute your sins unto you. You are forgiven of all sin, past, present, and future. But does that mean that you're free to go live in sin? It means that God would still love you. But if you go live in sin, there's physical consequences. There's consequences that come from men, and then there's consequences that come from the devil. If you were to take what I'm teaching and say, well, man, I can go live in sin, and God will still love me, so I think I'm going to go rob a bank and get a million dollars. Why work when I can rob a bank and God still loves me? Did you know what? You can go rob a bank, and God will still love you. And the whole time that you are sitting in your prison cell and rotting away for a life term because of your sin, you could have a relationship with God. You could repent. God's mercy and grace would be right there with you in the prison cell. 
but you will have a price to pay. People will exact a price from you as they should. There are consequences to your sin. And not only do men come against you because of your sin, and if you go out and live in sin, you're going to offend people. You could lose your marriage. You could lose your children. You could lose your job because you aren't doing the right thing. But not only that, when you sin, you yield to Satan, Romans 6, 16, that when you yield to sin, you yield to the author of that sin, Satan, and he only comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy, John chapter 10, verse 10. So when you yield to sin, Satan is going to come in and exact a price for that sin. He is going to use that sin to destroy your life. So if you are living in sin, because after all, you've been born again, you've got a covenant, God has promised He would never leave you nor forsake you, He's not going to impute your sin unto you, and so you just take that freedom and you go out and live in sin. I would say two things. First of all, I doubt seriously if you truly got born again. You've just made mental assent. You may have heard me or somebody else say some things, but when you truly... Give your heart to God. He changes your heart. And you have a desire to live for God. It says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 3, it says, Every man, not most or some, every man that has this hope in him. And if you read the first two verses, it's talking about the love of God and how we're going to be changed into his image. Every man that has this hope in him purifies himself even as he is pure. If you've truly been born again, you desire to live for God. Now, you may be doing a poor job of it because of many things. Because again, John 8, 32, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. And maybe you haven't really heard the truths that I'm sharing right here. And because of it, you're still bound to sin. But if you were truly born again, you don't want to live in sin. A person who would take what I'm saying and say, man, this is great. I could just go out and rob a bank. I can commit adultery. I can lie. I can steal. I can do anything. and God will still love me. I would doubt seriously that you were ever born again because there is no change in your heart and your desires. That is not true. So that's the first thing. I would doubt whether a person who just takes the grace of God and wants to go live in sin and use it as an excuse to live in homosexuality and adultery and all types of perversion, I doubt that you were ever truly born again. But if you were born again and for whatever reason you still entered into sin knowingly and willingly and did it, well, then you just have unleashed the devil in your life and he is going to steal kill, and to destroy. You may not go to hell. You might, if you die, you might go to heaven, but Satan will kill you. You'll die early. You are going to suffer. You're going to live under guilt and shame, and it's going to cost you tremendously. So you do not want to go and live in sin. But the difference is, under the Old Testament, sin was imputed unto people. In Romans chapter 5, it talks about that sin was in the world until the law came, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. The word impute is an accounting term, and it means to put on the books or to hold against you. You know, back when people used to use books to keep records on things instead of going into a computer, you would go into a store and you'd say, put that on my tab. And so they'd write down what you bought and how much it cost. And then at the end of the month or whatever period of time, you would come and you would settle up the books and you would have to pay. That's an accounting term. It means to write on the books. In other words, it would be imputed unto you. It would be recorded against you. 
But it says sin is not imputed when there is no law. Until the law came, which was basically 2,000 years after the time of Adam and Eve's sin, God was not imputing man's sins unto them. Now that is a huge statement. And some people say, well, wait a minute. People were still dying. Wasn't that what God said the result of sin was? In the day that you eat of the tree, you shall surely die. People were dying. Well, the next verse, Romans 5, 14, it says, Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression. So see, that's a logical question. If God wasn't imputing people's sins unto them before the time that the law came, well, then how come people were dying? Because sin not only has a transgression against God, what I call a vertical effect, but it also has a horizontal effect. It was not only a transgression against God, but it was also an inroad of Satan into your life. Again, Romans chapter 6, verse 16, that when you yield to sin, you yield yourself to Satan, the author of that sin, and he comes, John 10, 10, only to steal, kill, and to destroy. So even though God wasn't bringing this vertical punishment, this, this, uh, his rejection and punishment upon people because of their sin prior to the law, sin was still an open door to the devil. It was an invitation to the devil to come in and to steal, kill, and destroy. And this is one reason that man's lifespan went from 969 years with Methuselah all the way down to where it was 70 years by the time that Moses wrote in Psalms chapter 90 and said the life, uh, length of a man's life will be 70 years. And if by reason of strength they be 80 years, yet is that time spent in labor and travail. And so the lifespan of man decreased, not because God was killing them and imputing sin unto them, but Satan was coming in and destroying man's lives. So if God hadn't have done something to limit sin in the earth, mankind would have been wiped out. We wouldn't have lived 20 years. We wouldn't have lived 10 years if God hadn't a place to restrain on it. Also, there was so much corruption in the world that if God hadn't have done something to restrain sin in the earth, there would not have been a virgin left for Jesus to be born through. That's how corrupt the human race was becoming. And so what did God do to limit sin? He gave the law. And the law put fear in people. It says in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 6, it says that by mercy and truth, iniquity is purged. But by the fear of God, men depart from evil. The fear of God causes people to depart from evil. You know, it's very similar to raising children. You know, nobody wants to spank their children. You don't want to hurt your children. You don't want to hear your child cry because of something that you did. But children... Uh, contrary to what a lot of people teach, and I will be dealing with this later, people aren't basically good. People are basically bad. Even a child is born with a sinful nature that if left to themselves, they will go off the rails, they will get into sin, and it is a responsibility of a parent to train that child, and the Scripture teaches corporal punishment. I know that there's all kinds of people that don't believe in that today, but that's what the Bible teaches, that if you don't correct your child, if you don't chasten him, you hate your child, is what the Scripture says. And so the Scripture teaches restraining them. But how do you restrain a young child? 
You know, if you go to a two-year-old and if you say, you should not take this toy away from, from your sister or your brother, and then if you start trying to explain to him, if you do this, this is the devil because God said it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. It's the devil that is selfish and wants everything for themselves. Only by pride comes contention. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 10. And if you do this, you're just selfish and you're yielding to the devil. The devil comes only to steal, kill, and to destroy. You are giving him inroad. You're going to lose your job. You'll never be able to keep a marriage together if you continue. See, if you talk to a two-year-old that way, they don't understand those things. But you know what a two-year-old can understand? You go over there and take that toy from your brother or sister again, and I'm going to spank you. And they may not know there is a God or a devil, a heaven or a hell. They may not understand about marriage and about working and keeping a job. They don't understand any of these things, but they understand if I do that again, I'm going to get a spanking. And they don't want that. And so when the devil tells them, go take this toy, man, they'll sit there and say, no, <laughs> man, and they'll know not to do it. And so until they get to a place to where they can understand and process these things on their own, did you know that chastening your children is a godly thing? Well, in a similar way, Old Testament people did not have the revelation that a New Testament saint has. When you get born again, 1 Corinthians 2.16 says you have the mind of Christ. Now, not everybody uses it. And I can guarantee you there's plenty of Christians that are not gaining access to the mind of Christ, but you have it. Colossians chapter 3, verse 10 says, Put on the new man which has been renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Again, you've got a supernatural ability to know and understand God that a person who's not born again doesn't. It says in 1 John chapter 2, verse 20, that you have an unction. That means a special anointing, endowment of power from on high, and you know all things. Now, that's not true up here in your little peanut-sized brain. Sometimes you can't find your car keys. You can't find your glasses when they're on top of your head. In your physical mind, you don't know all things. But in the Spirit, you have the mind of Christ, and you know all things. Now, we've got to learn how to draw it out. It's not automatic, but a Christian has access to wisdom and to knowledge and to understanding that a lost person does not. And because of that, God can now deal with us differently. But before Jesus came and gave us this new birth, which gave us the mind of Christ, in a sense, we were like children that we're out here living in sin, not understanding the consequences of it. And because God was not punishing sin and judging sin, people took God's lack of punishment as acceptance and approval of sin. And therefore, they just were sinning uncontrolled. And it was polluting the human race. It was decreasing our lifespan. It was making it so that God's plan of Jesus coming into this earth through a virgin was in jeopardy. And God had to do something to restrain sin before we could be born again and receive this new heart and nature that makes us want to live godly from the inside out. And so what did God do? What he did was send the law, and the law brought judgment and punishment, but it put fear in people, and it restrained the amount of sin.
Praise God. These truths about the Lord just literally set me free. You know, I experienced God's love firsthand, but I was grounded in the wrath and the judgment of God, and I couldn't reconcile what I had experienced with what some of the things I was taught and saw in the Word of God. And that's what this teaching is all about. This is Christianity 101, understanding the true nature of God. And I've got this brand new product out on biblical worldview that I promise you this would change your life. I think this is one of the most important things I've ever taught. So please listen to our announcer. Please call or write today. Request these materials. I believe it will change your life. Today, Andrew's pleased to offer his highly anticipated series, Biblical Worldview, Foundational Truths. In this series, Andrew outlines the importance for every Christian believer to have a biblical worldview. I am really excited about this brand new product that we have entitled Biblical Worldview Foundation Truths. This has been years in the making and it's different than just my typical teaching in the sense that we have graphs, charts, quotes, all kinds of visuals to supplement this. And I tell you, my uh, media department just did a great job. I think that this is one of the most important things I've ever taught. Each of the 12 lessons in this series include a video, audio file, chapter lesson, and printable PDF wrapped in a single box set containing a workbook, audio USB, and a personal access code to the online videos. Each lesson is full of supporting facts, quotes, charts, and historic visuals. Through the online platform, you'll have lifetime access to all of the videos and digital workbooks on your computer or smart device. Biblical Worldview Foundational Truths is available for only $120. Go to awmi.net to order this valuable resource today for you or someone you love. On today's program, Andrew mentioned his teaching titled Spirit, Soul, and Body. This series is available when you contact us. Go to awmi.net to see all the ways you can get this teaching. While there, you can discover more product detail and download additional free resources. Or call our helpline Monday through Friday from 4.30 a.m. to 9.30 p.m. Mountain Time at 719 635-1111. To write us, use the address on your screen. We appreciate your generosity and hope to hear from you today. Hello, this is Andrew Womack, and I want to invite you to come and sit under the Word of God four hours a day, five days a week for two or three years. I promise you it would transform your life. You know, God has put it on my heart to make disciples, and the best way I have of doing that is through our Karis Bible College. We not only have our main campus in Woodland Park, Colorado, but we have campuses scattered all over the world. You can go to our website to get information on it, but I promise you, this is a deal changer. Many of you know there's more and you just don't know how to get there. Come and let us help you discover who you are in Christ and who He is in you. It'll change your life. Ready to get more out of God's Word than ever before? We gladly announce the Andrew Womack Living Commentary. This continuously updated Living Commentary is now available exclusively as a download for both Mac and Windows at awmi.net. I'd like to give you a special invitation to join me on September the 24th through the 26th for our Identity in Christ 
conference. I'm going to have Pastor Dwayne Sheriff with me. He's one of my great friends. He's on my board of directors. He is one of the most powerful ministers that I know. And both of us, it is this truth about who we are in Christ, a revelation of what I call spirit, soul, and body that has changed our lives. And we are just going to take both of our teachings, both of our revelations, what God has done in our life, and just pour it into you for these three days. Remember, it's September the 24th through the 26th at our Karis Bible College in Woodland Park, our Identity in Christ Conference.